The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Drowning in status updates and lost in endless emails? Break free with ClickUp.com, the one app to replace them all. Imagine a world where your team collaborates effortlessly in one shared space. No more chaos, just ClickUp. Your projects, tasks, and communication unified at last. Transform how you work with customizable views, seamless integration, and real-time updates. ClickUp is your shortcut to more productive days and happier teams. Join the millions of productive teams already streamlining their workflow. Visit ClickUp.com to get started. Good stuff. Okay, we got a lot to get to in our QB1 deep dive. All right, Dan, a lot to get to with Justin Fields. As Studs pointed out in 670score.com, I wrote about this. I talked about it this morning on the Mullion Haas Show. To me, this was Justin Fields' best game as a pro. There are a lot of reasons for that, but that's a good place to start. I don't know if you agree or not uh, with that assessment, but what was his, in your mind, overall uh, level of play, and what was his defining moment? Listen, like the level of play was as good as it's been all year, right? And that's what you want for a young quarterback. There's mistakes all throughout this video, but these mistakes were, were, were trumped by plays that were made. And that's what we're looking for. I think that's where, where people kind of missed the boat here through the first six weeks where they're like, what were you expecting? We all knew this was a young quarterback and a rebuilding team. What were you expecting? You were expecting it to look right, right? And on Monday night, it looked right. The quarterback made some mistakes, but he also made a lot of things happen. For me, David, the defining moment is on the, the, the Bears' first touchdown drive. It's a, it's a third down play, uh, third and six from their own 48. And Fields shows where his pocket poise was for most of Monday night. He stayed in the pocket. He was patient. When it started to break down and Matthew Judon started to get some, some penetration on Larry Borum, he slid up. And then he slid to his right and he started to roll. And instead of tucking and running, as you know, which is uh, at times a pet peeve of mine, he kept his eyes downfield and he drilled one to Equinemius St. Brown for 19 yards. And it was just like, aha, that looked right. Right. And so all of a sudden you get a play that moves the chains that then creates a scoring opportunity and you capitalize on the scoring opportunity and you score the touchdown yourself and you get a a night going like that. And David, by the night's end, the Bears were 11 for 18 on third down. That's 61 percent. Luke Getze has told us all year that his gold standard for third down uh, success rate is 48 percent because that's typically the number that leads the NFL at year's end. The Bears were 61.1 percent, 11 for 18 on Monday night. And it was because of plays like that. Ten of those conversions, five fields runs, five fields completions. So he did it in a number of ways. 
And that allowed them to possess the ball for 37 minutes. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is complimentary football. You can help your defense stop the run by staying on the field and running the ball down the opponent's throats and making plays on third down to keep the chains going. 11 for 18 is remarkable. Okay, look. I understand because I have been critical too. The tuck and run is not a, a, a way to make a living as an NFL quarterback. You don't, it's the equivalent of going paycheck to paycheck. You'd like not to have to live that way. Yeah. And yet I understand more after watching last night why it's so tempting to live that way. I think we all do. Here was the latest example for me defining moment, third and 14, final few minutes of the second quarter i believe it yep. was uh, it, it feels is is in the pocket breaks down dodges a guy looks around oh i can get that oh i can do that nobody can stop me and you know it's such a fine line dan because i mean i want to be the coach is like no 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 you know go through your progressions throw the ball out of bounds don't hold on the ball so long you're killing us here and yet Plays like this 20-yard gain illustrate why he holds on to the ball so long, why there is that balance he has to strike. It's so delicate. He thinks he can create something special if he just waits for the right opening. And you know what? He's often right. And so that's the conundrum. That's the tough balance. And I think that when you see him have the kind of success last night that he did, you're like, all right, this is something that you want to – believe is sustainable. I don't know that it is, but I do find it interesting. Number one, that was, that defined it as much as I, uh, any play last night for me. And secondly, and we'll get on to this because this is, relates to this entire deep dive on the quarterback. It's reflective of what the Baltimore Ravens do. They make a living by living off of Lamar Jackson's instinct. That- they allow him to make some of these judgments that, can be unorthodox. He's not going to throw for 350 yards. It's not going to be a conventional approach. And we would find out after the game uh, that the Bears borrowed some of the ideas, concepts, and plays from the Baltimore Ravens, which is a credit to Luke Getze and Matt Aberflus. But when you see Justin Fields do his, you know, unintentional impersonation of Lamar Jackson, you understand what he's capable of doing and how hard it will be to hone that and make him into this polished pocket passer that everyone wants him to be. And I understand that, but I just don't know if it's as easy as it sounds. And that's not necessarily a bad thing either. No, you make a lot of good points there. And that 20-yard run pushed the Bears into scoring territory. They followed up three plays later with another third down conversion with with Fields making an off-script throw to Darnell Mooney with one of the best catches of the night over on that sideline for him to get his feet down. And you get that touchdown and then a field goal to end the half and then a field goal to start the second half. And all of a sudden, you just had your claws sunk in that game. And so that's what happens when you're able to turn third and 14 into something magical. All of a sudden, you see the ripple effects of that. It's a good choice. All right, how about on the bright side? On the bright side for me is really easy, and it's the way that, that, that Luke Getze used the mini bye week to figure out ways that he could have more designed runs in the playbook for Justin Fields in this particular game. We'll see how uh, consistent that is in game plans to come, but overall I had it down for 10 designed runs on the night for 56 yards. There was only one 
Well, two tuck and runs on the night, the 20 yarder that you talked about. And then he also ran out of bounds for a sack on another one. And so you didn't have that high volume of tuck and runs, right? The off off script scrambles, but you had a variety of design runs. It wasn't just read option there. You had three zone reads. You had two quarterback draws. You had a quarterback sweep. You had two sneaks to convert third and ones. You had uh, a couple fake jet sweeps, including the touchdown run where you fake the jet sweep and then you keep it and you, you use your athleticism and your strength to power across the goal line. The variety of, of designed runs was as impressive as the volume of designed runs. That's a big thing for this Bears offense to get itself moving in a positive direction on a consistent basis. Let me tell you, the, the, the uh, quarterback sweep on third down, dangerous, dangerous, <laughs> because you don't know as a defender – you don't know if you're a linebacker. You don't know if you're a safety in the flat, if he's going to ro- throw or run and what to do. And I don't know if it's a run pass option. It doesn't look that way. It looks like it's designed for him to keep it. But you don't know that when he starts heading for the perimeter. And that's what I mean. Moving the pocket is so dangerous of a thing. And I just think that was that's a good call. Ten design runs is two more than I thought that it was. But I think that when you see – uh, what they found out and, the, you know, the research they did maybe during the mini buy, it shows you how willing and how flexible they are to get the most out of the quarterback's talents. Okay, my bright side was a, another touchdown. We talked about this a little bit. The Khalil Herbert side screen. How many times does Justin Fields have to miss that pass before he <laughs> learns to change his arm angle? Yeah. Well, we found out whatever the answer was before that because he changed his arm angle. And he was a shortstop getting the force out at second base with a sidearm toss to his infielder, in this case, the running back, Khalil Herbert, who did the rest by getting into the open field, watching Braxton Jones annihilate or push over a defensive back who didn't have a chance. And Justin Fields was a Justin Fields sandwich between (laughs) two uh, pass rushers, could have been roughing the passer there, but he adjusted he adapted, and you know what? He reacted. He wasn't thinking. This is what he was thinking. I got to get the ball there somehow. I'm going to do it after I do. I'm a good a- athlete. He went full Patrick Mahomes on us, and it was a great thing to see. So that was my uh-oh. No, that was, sorry, that, that was that was right on the bright side. Yeah, better no, 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 yeah, no, but yeah, I, I, I love that. I love that one too, David. Because look, like the, poor Justin Fields, he doesn't get to see his touchdown passes. He gets hit in that sandwich there, and he's laying face down on the turf, and he doesn't even see Khalil Herbert score. And he was asked after the game by Patrick Finley whether uh, Dietrich Wise and Matthew Judon were kind of checking on his physical well-being while he was down on the ground. He's like, man, that's not what happened. Those guys were yelling at me for trying to lobby the ref for roughing the passer. <laughs> and so uh, you you see it from above this conversation, and it's like. Like, no, no, it wasn't what you thought it was. Those guys were, were getting on me for trying to buy an extra 15 yards. He didn't need the 15 yards. He got the six points, and obviously that was a big moment in the game. All right, what's the uh-oh moment? Ball security, right? For the second straight week, we've got a, a interception on a ball that was deflected into the air at the line of scrimmage. Worse than that, Justin was credited for four fumbles. The Bears were lucky that the Patriots didn't recover a single one of them. One of those was was charged to Justin, but should have been charged to David Montgomery on that pitch to the left that David Montgomery didn't handle. But there are just a few too many moments where, where that ball security is lax. I know the whole city of Chicago was up in arms on that one play early in the game where Fields held the ball for about seven seconds longer than he should have, scrambling back behind the line of scrimmage, gets sacked for a big loss, fumbles the ball out of bounds. David, there's another one later in the game where he's rolling out of the pocket and he's pressured a little bit, but he ends up forcing the fumble himself with his own knee. 
hitting the ball and jarring it loose. These are things that got to get cleaned up because if you're going to be a consistent quarterback in this league, you can't put the ball in harm's way that many times in a game, certainly an uh-oh moment, and certainly an uh-oh moment that you have to accentuate before you go to Dallas and see Micah Parsons and Dan Quinn and all the things that that defense is going to do to you on Sunday afternoon. Without a doubt. I mean, because now you're starting to wonder, okay, there was a time last night after the interception, he threw it and it got tipped at the line of scrimmage. And then I went back and forth with somebody on Twitter. They said, well, it was bad luck because Eli and, Ma- and Peyton said it was bad luck. <laughs> no, it was a bad throw. You, yeah. you can hold Justin Fields accountable for making a bad throw. It was the second week in a row that he had an interception that where you know he hit the guy in the commander's uh, uniform in the helmet. Right. Last night he got tipped. You have to protect the football. You have to be a little bit more accurate. That was my uh-oh moment, but he overcame that. Um, but you're right. Against Dallas, different story. No doubt. All right, big number. What was your big number? Real easy for this one. Five consecutive possessions on which the Bears scored points. Right? This is the Chicago Bears that we've been covering forever who can't score points on a consistent basis. Five consecutive drives that ended in points and Cairo Santos kickoffs. That's an amazing thing, David. They got to keep that going in the right direction. It's really cool, again, when you can go to a postgame locker room and have a number of different scoring drives that you can reference and talk to guys about because now all of a sudden the conversations are a little bit more enthusiastic than they typically are. Mine's a little related and it's more than just Justin Fields, but he's, he's where it all starts. It was 37. And I alluded to this 37 minutes when you possess the football and you're talking about big picture and how your quarterback, this guy you want to develop into your franchise player, how he fits into this. It doesn't have to be the way you conventionally think of franchise quarterbacks. He's not Joe Burrow. He's not Justin Herbert. Okay, let him be who he is and who he is, is the guy that allows you to possess the ball and move the chains and play good defense and be the team that may lead the NFL in rushing. He's part of that. When you possess the ball for 37 minutes, you understand complementary football. It's more than just a concept. It's reality. And when you have a team like the Patriots, no matter who was playing quarterback off the field for that long, they get on it. They start to force the issue. They start to make you know mistakes. And I think that when you have the ball for 37 minutes, good things are going to happen. And they did. Good things did happen.